jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Traveling without moving. The Season Travelers Podcast on jasoncharles.net is sponsored by Pim Philip Experiences, the Manhattan-based tour company that provides custom travel and event experiences in New York City and beyond. Heightening visitor perspectives and engaging business groups with licensed multilingual local guides, Pim Philip offers tailor-made urban expeditions and virtual experiences, often along unexpected routes. Go to pimphilip.com for more information. That's P-I-M-P-H-I-L-I-P.com. This is John Bonanno. I'm from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. I visited Nosara, Costa Rica last Christmas for a little over two weeks. So Guiones is actually the town that's on the beach. It's, it's Playa Guiones is the beach. It's like the beach town that you kind of imagined in your mind that usually doesn't exist anymore, to be honest with you. You know, Nosara is the prototypical kind of surf town. I think two stories is the maximum you're allowed to build. And there's still a lot of empty lots in the main areas, many of which are owned by wealthy Americans who are trying to develop it you know, in the right way. So it sort of still has the charm of, of maybe 15, 20 years ago as far as the aesthetics go. Five years ago, I may not have done this show for you and mentioned Nosara because I think it was a little bit under the radar, but it's now on everyone's radar. So I'm not divulging any secrets, but it's a special place. And Nosara technically is the town inland about 15 minutes. And I'm not sure how or why everyone started referring to the beach as, you know, Nosara. But when people say they're going to Nosara, they're actually not really going to Nosara. They're going to Playa Guiones. And there's also another beach next door to Playa Guiones called Palada, which is beautiful, has some nice restaurants. But it's not really a surfing, swimming beach. It's mostly rocks. So for your first time down there, I don't recommend going to Palada. But it's a pretty place to walk around and visit and go to eat. But basically, most people will go to Guiones and spend 95% of their time in Guiones. So the Guiones has a, kind of this main road. You know, it's got some shops and surf shops and cafes and, and a couple of hotels. From the entrance to town to the beach is probably maybe a third of a mile third to half a mile. They say there's the surf side and the yoga side, which isn't true because there's surfing and yoga happening on both sides. I would say that the south side just has more people and that's where the surf schools are. So the water tends to be a little hectic with surf schools and, and beginning surfers. And so it gets super crowded. And as you go farther north, the crowd thins out a little bit. <laughs> it's certainly going to, it's never going to be empty, but the crowd thins out a little bit. It's just a little bit more relaxing on the north side. The only thing with saying something like that is that all it takes is one popular restaurant or two popular restaurants to open and that whole thing could flip because it's constantly in development. The two vibes are sort of whatever you make of them as a person who's visiting it. I don't think anyone would agree with each other about what the two vibes are, but I think one side is called the yoga side and one side is called the surf side, but they both have yoga and they both have surf. 
the weather is really nice. I mean, global warming is changing everything, obviously, but you can go for weeks in the wintertime and, and get barely a drop of rain. You're just getting sun every day, which leads to amazing sunsets because there's rarely clouds in the sky. The sun's setting right over the water. Guiones is known pretty much for its surfing, the yoga, and the sunsets, which is, you know, that's all I need pretty much. I go pretty much because the surf is good for people who don't surf a lot, like me. If you're very good, you can go at certain times of the year to certain places in Costa Rica, and it's great. But for the people like you know who live in the Northeast who don't get to surf a lot, or people who didn't grow up surfing and aren't very good, it's a very forgiving place to learn to surf and to and to continue you know surfing every now and then, like I do. And it's a kind of place that surfers can take their families because. They know they'll be able to surf, and they know that their families will be able to, to kind of have fun doing other stuff. You know, a lot of the surfing places in the world are kind of remote, hard to get to. You can't really bring your family with you and have like a family vacation. But Nosara offers kind of a great family vacation opportunity, and then dad or son or daughter or whoever the surfer is in the family can surf too, while whoever doesn't surf can do whatever they want. That's why it draws a pretty big crowd is because it's friendly to surfers. And then when you're tired of surfing, you can go do yoga at any one of the five, six, seven places that offer yoga classes. And for a town that's as small as it is, the options for yoga are pretty insane. It's not an easy place to get to for Europeans or for travelers outside of Americans, and North Americans and South Americans. It's obviously gotten enough press that you do run into people that are just traveling from all over the world. But a majority of people there are American, from California and from New York. And very easy for New Yorkers in particular because there are two direct flights to Liberia, which is the airport in Costa Rica that's in the northwest near the Nicoya Peninsula, and makes the trip to the Nicoya Peninsula a lot easier than San Jose. A lot of people that visit Nosara have to go through multiple airports, and it just makes you know traveling there for a week a lot more difficult. I go JFK Liberia or Newark Liberia. The flight's okay. It's not the it's not like flying to Cancun. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, it's a pretty long day. I'll grant you that. You know, you've got the trip to the airport, and you got the five hour flight, and you got the two and a half hours to to Nosara or to Guiones. But it's a totally bearable flight. They're mostly full. Yeah, unless you go. I mean, I usually go winter season. It's uh, every day, both airports. I think and then it kind of quiets down. There's different. There's the schedule changes a little bit, but direct into Liberia, which is maybe half hour from the coast. But the Nosara trip goes south for about two and a half hours. And I usually take a shuttle and it's like 50 bucks. It's a van, 15 passenger van with Wi-Fi, which is hilarious because it's like the whole situation's changed. It seems like in the last couple of years, I always forget there's Wi-Fi and then I'm halfway there and I'm like, God, what am I hooked up to? And I realize, oh, it's the van that I'm hooked up to because it remembers from the time I was there before and before. Sometimes I rent the car, but the cars are super expensive in Costa Rica and you got to pay. I mean, they don't tell you about the insurance. It's just a hassle. And to be honest with you, given the roads in Costa Rica, I don't blame the car rental people for making it kind of a hassle because the abuse that these cars must take is crazy. So uh, I'm not sure being a rental car company owner is the greatest business in the world. So it's pricey. And if you're just walking to the beach and walk into yoga class and walk into the cafe to, to read or whatever, you don't need the car very much. So... I, you know, I go back and forth if I'm, if I'm with a couple people and we can split the car and we do that. Otherwise, I just, if I'm going by myself, meeting friends down there, I'll take the van. The cool part about the shuttle van, of course, is that you meet a lot of people because there are so many people that own property there and that visit there frequently. So almost always there's a regular who you may not know, but you have mutual friends with and mutual interests. And so you can always, you know, trade good info. And an ideal trip 
if the plane gets there on time. And if the shuttle gets there on time, I can leave the city early morning and I can surf sunset in Nosara. Compare that to most surf destinations, you know, most of which are in Asia, for instance, and you're not surfing for two days. Um, it's like days and days and days of travel. So when I was in Bali a couple years ago, 40 some odd hours into my journey, I thought to myself, God, I could have been on the beach for a day and a half already if I had gone to Costa Rica. So I stayed in this one Airbnb. Actually, it was a little um, studio that was in the same property as a house. And this being Osara and having gone there a bunch, I'd actually recognized the people that were staying in the house from surfing, from being in the water with them over the years. They were from Canada. There's actually a lot of Canadians too. I forgot to mention that. So they were in the main house and I actually hung out with them a lot. I have a friend who runs a, I guess you'd call it a hostel. So I always go over there and I spend time. It's called the Enchanted Forest. She doesn't do a lot of advertising. You have to dig to find out about it. Mostly word of mouth or word of podcast, as the case may be now. That's the first place I stayed. When I first went to Nosara five years ago, something like that, I had been recommended to stay at the hostel with the little cabins. You know, it depends on how long I'm there, whether or not I decide to stay there. I can do a cabin with a shared bathroom and a shared shower for a week, shared kitchen, that kind of thing. If I go there for two weeks or three weeks, which I sometimes do, I want my own kitchen and my own bathroom and that kind of thing. So I'll do an Airbnb if I'm there for more than a couple weeks. The other thing about Guiones that's pretty special is that there's nothing on the water. They don't allow building on the water. 100 meters back or something like that is as close as you can get. And so you have to walk for a minute or two from the road to get to the beach. And when you're at the beach and you turn around, you just see trees. Maybe you see a parking lot if you're standing in front of the parking lot. But there's no there's no buildings on the water. There's no ocean views. There are a couple houses that are kind of pushing up against the rules about where they should be. We actually use them as surfing when you're out in the water and you're trying to figure out where you are and you want to stay in a specific place. And you actually use those as markers when you're in the water. So there's houses up on the hills that have incredible ocean views. But I've never wanted to not be within a four or five, six minute walk from the water. So I never think about staying anywhere else outside of Guiones. The reason to get an Airbnb is to avoid uh, having to eat out every time. You have access to groceries in some places, pretty good vegetables and produce. Some of it's grown in Costa Rica and some of it's flown in from the United States and some of it's flown in from other countries. The fruit's obviously amazing. So I definitely recommend not buying breakfast at a hotel or wherever, you know, get your, make your own breakfast. There's a local spot called Rosie's Soda, and a soda is just like a little restaurant. And you can eat at Rosie's for a, a very reasonable amount of money, and it's delicious. They make some kind of green sauce with cucumbers and jalapenos or something. It's not that spicy. It's just amazing. <laughs> Rosie's is the spot. If you're going to go to Guiones, you got to eat at Rosie's once a day. Costa Rican food is basically, you know, pretty simple. It's the casado that you get at Rosie's. You just get like a chicken casado or a fish casado, which basically is just uh, grilled fish, grilled chicken, rice, beans, some veggies or something like that. Palada's got three or four restaurants, so a couple good ones have opened up over there. So people go over there to go visit El Chivo and do Taco Tuesday. That's a nice spot over there. But once you venture out of the kind of local spots like Rosie's, and there aren't that many of the local spots, then you're looking at probably $20 a person for a meal on the cheaper end. So the meals can get pretty expensive. The food is good most of the time. You can get really good fish, obviously. There's also a burger place. <laughs> I laugh because it's the last thing you'd expect it to have a $15 burger 
in a beach town in Costa Rica, but there it is, a $15 burger and an $8 beer. You know, it's that's uh, $23 for your burger and your beer. The place is called Burgers and Beers. I feel like it's a little bit inconsistent, but if you get a good one, it's one of the better burgers I've ever had in my life. I've never found out the story behind the guy that started this place and decided he wanted to make the best burgers in Costa Rica and charge the most money in Costa Rica for a burger, but he's killing it because the place is pretty much packed from 6.30 when it opens till 9.30 when it closes, and he's selling $15 burgers. Um, There's a couple fancy places. One just opened and is probably the first place that I've been to in Guiones that is like something out of Miami. I think it was El Local, I think was the name of it. I'm definitely one who's wary of any kind of fancy place that shows up at my my surf town. But I really like to look out, I have to be honest. I don't want too many of them opening up. I could stay the only, you know, slick place in Guiones as far as I'm concerned. Thankfully, like most surf towns, it does not have a huge nightlife. Just because, honestly, surfers are up in the morning surfing. I mean, there's, you know, you can get a drink. There's like an open mic night at the Beach Dog. And there's stuff going on. You're not going to be bored to death. But it's really not a, it's not a party town. When half the people in the town are there to surf, there's really never going to be a big nightlife situation. I mean, that's one of the things that I think they're trying to avoid, it seems like to me. No, sorry, just does not want to become Tamarindo. It doesn't want to become... Haco, which is on the west coast of the main part of Costa Rica, and it's it's just a place for Americans to party. You know, I'm usually in bed by 8.30 or 9. You know, I try to get up at the sunrise to surf. The weather conditions are usually best at sunrise. The winds are calm. And in Guiones, the winds are going to dictate whether or not the surfing is good because there's always going to be some kind of swell. For whatever reason, you always get some kind of wave. I mean, you know, we'll have your your flat days, but most of the time it's going to be something you can stand up on. You may have to bring a bigger board, you have to rent a bigger board, but I don't bring my own board. Probably going to get into the weeds of surf life, but American airline companies are jerks when it comes to uh, surfboards. United charges $200 each way, so it's cheaper just to buy a damn board. If you're even going on a long vacation, you can buy your board and sell it back at the end of the trip. You're going to save some money. I mean, it's $200. It's just extortion. It's absolutely ridiculous. If you wanted people to actually bring their surfboards, you wouldn't charge $200. You'd charge $100 because <laughs> then people would actually bring them and pay the 100 But they're not even close to being competitive <laughs> with the price of renting or buying and selling back or something like that. So um, I would love to bring my own board. I mean, it, as much of a hassle as it is. So the tide, because the beach is so flat, the water goes about 200 yards out when it's low tide. So you have to walk, you know, a ways just to get to the water at low tide. The high tide, it comes right up to where the beach starts, but at low tide, it like disappears, basically. You know, you're talking like football fields of, of sand between you and the start of the water. For Guiones, you want mid-tide, so any time it's not high or not low is when it's good. So the goal would be to, for most people, I think, is to surf, you know, sunrise and sunset. Sunrise is a bit more manageable because there's less people out there. But sunset, on a day when the weather's good, it can be really crowded. (laughs) People everywhere. You surf twice a day. I mean, that's usually in the morning and the late afternoon just because the sun is tough, whether or not you're surfing or not. That sun in Costa Rica is going to be tough. So you really don't want to be out in the sun between like 12 and 2. So most people sort of take a siesta and go to lunch. The ideal day would be surf, rest, maybe yoga, read, rest, and then surf again, and then go to sleep. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it doesn't sound like there's a lot going on, but the days manage to go by quite fast.
This is John Bonanno. You're listening to Traveling Without Moving on jasoncharles.net. I have surfed a lot. That doesn't mean I'm any good. I mean, the truth of the matter is that I didn't surf as a kid. And so learning to surf when you're older is really hard, but I've kind of set my mind to it. And for whatever reason, it kind of clicked this time. So I was basically catching waves at will. I don't really know what other people's experiences are, but the process of basically going from catching a wave every now and then to catching them whenever you want can take forever. (laughs) And it took forever for me, but at least over the winter, I was catching a lot of waves when I'd I'd never taken a vacation when I was just, I would be able to, you know, go out in a day and, and surf, you know, 25 waves in one day. But the weather last time was a little bit crazy. They had these winds. They must have been 50, 60 miles an hour these overnight winds for four straight days. I don't know exactly what the cause was. I was actually on on the shuttle van on my way back. There was a Delta pilot who has a place there. And he was talking about the fact that I think when it gets super cold in the southeast of the United States, when the cold front pushes down through, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, when the oranges start to get in jeopardy of being frozen, that somehow causes this wind situation in Costa Rica. So there were some nights, I swear to God, when it was when the winds were 50, 60 miles an hour, just nuts. Most of the trees that are weak are already knocked down, but it was strong enough that there was good sized trees that were knocked down. And that kind of messed up the water. It ended up stirring up the water out in the ocean and bringing in this really cold water, very noticeable. You'd go out to surf and you're like, oh my, it was it had dropped 10 degrees overnight. And unfortunately, the jellyfish really like cold water. So there were a couple of days of surfing where you get stung pretty good. It's not all over your body. It's just kind of hot pinpricks that don't go away for half an hour. So, you know, if you get three or four or five of them on your arm, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> you know, by the time you're out and back at home, that the pain has gone away. It just the suddenness of getting stung is probably the worst part. But then the pain hangs on for a bit too long. So that added a different element. I hadn't experienced the jellyfish in Costa Rica before, but that's because those winds were just out of control and actually kind of rare for that time of year. Usually they come in November and they happen to come in January this year. But I mean, as I said, the climate's changing, so normal is not necessarily so normal anymore, even down there or especially down there. The biggest change is just the amount of development that's going on. The number of buildings being built at the moment is insane. You know, you're talking in Guiones, there's probably 30, 40 building sites. Those are private homes, so it's it's spread out all over the place, but the building is constant, and it's just, every time you go, it seems to be there's more buildings going up. It's not so easy to concentrate on on your book when you're lying in your hammock if you're surrounded by three building sites that have their saws going at the same time. But I kind of got zen about it and tried not to let it get to me. You know, that's the drawback of uh, going to a place that's been kind of discovered. I don't begrudge them doing it. I just do hope that the money filters down to the locals. The locals are definitely getting the jobs, doing the building, the jobs, doing the surf instructing, that kind of thing. But that's not the bulk of the cash coming in. I don't know about the real estate money. I feel like that ends up probably in Americans' pockets, which is a bit of a bummer. My Spanish is okay. You don't speak enough of it down there to improve it, unfortunately. I would love to speak better Spanish by speaking Spanish only when I'm down there. But everyone speaks English. The Ticos, Ticos are Costa Ricans. They all speak English. So I'm going back in a couple weeks. I invite everyone to come down and join me there at the Enchanted Forest. I'm just going to go for a week. And then 
I'm going to Sri Lanka in July. I have a friend who's just started getting into surfing, and so he also wants to take surf-related trips. And Sri Lanka has always been on my kind of must-get-to list once I started surfing because it looks like such an incredibly beautiful country and has an incredibly friendly population who never got along and so it was sort of a place you really couldn't go to safely and now it seems like a place that's actually quite safe so we're going to be heading there in July for three weeks to travel all around I think improving the surfing was the highlight of this vacation and I, I did a ton of yoga I'm always happier when I'm the more yoga I do so just being able to you know be active every day for two and a half weeks and see my friends that I met over the years down there was nice. It was one of those trips where I kind of accomplished everything that I wanted to. Traveling, Traveling without, without moving, moving on jasoncharles.net. Traveling without moving. The Season Travellers Podcast on jasoncharles.net is sponsored by Pim Philip Experiences, the Manhattan-based tour company that provides custom travel and event experiences in New York City and beyond. Heightening visitor perspectives and engaging business groups with licensed multilingual local guides, Pim Philip offers tailor-made urban expeditions and virtual experiences, often along unexpected routes. Go to pimphilip.com for more information. That's P-I-M-P-H-I-L-I-P dot com. JasonCharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.